0: And I apologize about my voice. I still sound like a cheerleader after a pep rally uh, from being sick. I'm sorry. But it sounds like some of you guys are sick as well. So. Um, but we've been doing Galatians, and uh, we've been talking about um, how Galatians is really a book that's all about the gospel. And when you say that, most Christians think, okay, well, it's not really a book for me because it's about the gospel. But the funny thing is, the book of Galatians is written to Christians. And, and so Paul, an apostle, is writing this book, basically telling Christians that, that the way they're going to grow as believers is going to be by deepening themselves in the gospel. Okay? You, you never really graduate from the gospel, but, but you grow deeper into the gospel. And so we talked about last week that idea of how do Christians grow. Most Christians, they just try to grow by trying real hard. You know, they hear a sermon on uh, don't be angry, hear a sermon on lust or whatever, and they think, okay, I've got to go home and and just try real hard not to be angry. I've got to go home and just try really hard not to lust after people. And so they they just put their effort into gear, and they think they can grow just by putting in a bunch of effort. And and so Paul's point in the first few chapters has been that you don't grow just trying really hard. You grow... By deepening in the gospel. Now I know that that, that phrase, it sounds nice, but many of you guys are asking the question, what in the world does that mean exactly? What does that even look like? And so we touched on it briefly last week. And so what I want to do today is to not even introduce a new passage to you. I want to just take what we did last week and kind of expand it a bit more so you understand fully what we're talking about, how it applies to your life. So we dealt with the question last week, how do Christians grow? We talked about that, and I want you to catch this from, from, from last weekend today, and that is this: that time there's a chance for you to grow in your walk with Christ, it's going to be because you, you grew deeper into the gospel. Now what I mean by that I'll give you an example. Uh, Yesterday, um, Courtney, my wife, was planning a baby shower. Not for herself, don't worry. It was for somebody else. And uh, she was hosting the baby shower at her house. There's like 25 ladies coming over to my house to uh, throw this shower, at which point I said, I'm leaving. I can't stay for this. And so um, I said, I'm, I need to go and, and go to, to Barnes & Noble and kind of just get away from the house. And, and she's like, well, if, if you can at least help me set up the house and everything. And I said, that's totally fine. So on Saturday morning, my plan was to to get up really early and help her set the house up and then go to the gym workout and, and you know, do man stuff. And, uh, and, and then uh, what happened, though, was was that um, I overslept on Saturday morning. So I get up late, and I, I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and go work out, then I'll come back here and I'll help her, okay? So I went ahead and did that. I came back to the house, and she says, you know, I could, I could tell things were like, when I got back to the house, I could tell things were kind of tense. And I was like, uh, this is kind of like walking through a minefield. I'm not sure what I've gotten myself into here, but uh, I'm going to try to find a way to get out of this. And so um, she says, you know, I have to say, Dave, that I'm not sure that it's right what you did. And I said, You mean going to work out when you're planning a baby shower and you need my help? And she's like, Yeah, exactly. And I started getting defensive and I started saying, Well, you know, well here's why I did this and that." and I start explaining myself and getting real defensive about it. And finally I'm just kinda of mad. I'm like, Well, you shouldn't expect me to do that kind of stuff and nothing don't worry, like nothing bad happened. It's just that we had a little little discussion, okay? And uh and so, so after all this happened, I'm sitting there kind of mad. I'm kind of feeling, I'm vacuuming the floor like, nah, 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 you know, just kind of walking around like really angry at the situation. And, and then um, finally I thought to myself, okay, I've got two choices here. One, I can stay angry and I can leave the house. I can go do my thing and just be kind of upset the whole day and she could be upset at me. Or I can go to her and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You're right. I shouldn't have gone to work out. I should have stayed here and helped you. And I'm really sorry that I put you into a bind like that. You know, and and it was like everything in me was just like, no, I don't want. I don't want to say that. I, I know I'm right, and everything inside me wanted to say that. But I finally went to her and said what I needed to say, and I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I am wrong. And it was like in that moment, I could sense something just release, like this. Tense, this, this anger, this, this thing just kind of released. And she accepted my apology. She forgave me. And guys, right there, those are the moments in life when you grow. Now, I'm not telling you this just to show you, like, hey, look what I did. Like I, I mean, I wasn't thinking about this morning when I did this yesterday, okay? But I want you to know that those are the moments in life when, when God is saying to you, I want you to grow deeper into the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that you're a sinner. It starts there. You're a sinner. And so every moment in life when you're going to grow it's going to require you to go through this process of saying, okay, I'm a sinner. I need to go and confess this to someone or confess it to God. And that's the cycle you go through. There's no other way to grow. There's no other way to do it. In fact, I know most of you think you kind of base your growth on the number of warm fuzzies you feel during a worship service or during prayer or during your Bible reading. And, and that can help. But the way you really grow is through your relationship with other people. When there's conflict, that you resolve it. You apologize. You go to that person and say, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. And that's, that's how you grow deeper into the gospel. There's no other secret magical ingredient than that. It's the gospel. Okay? And so... Here's the thing. If, if you're going to understand this whole idea, then you've got to understand that your your sin and my sin has multiple layers to it. It's multi-layered. Now, um, it's kind of like an onion. You can say it's like an onion. Anybody here like onions? Any onion fans in here? Do you guys cry when you cut onions? I cry. It's horrible. So the solution that I came up with is I wear swim goggles when I cut onions. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what I have to do. Um, so if you come to my house when I'm cutting an onion, I'll answer the door with like a butcher knife and swim goggles on. And you'll probably run the other way. Uh, but if you peel an onion, you peel one layer... There's another layer. You peel peel that layer, another layer. And it goes on and on. It's almost endless. And your sin is much like that. Your sin is, is multi-layered. Okay? You could say that there are always, there's always going to be some sin behind your sins. Okay? So whenever you're, you're angry, it's not just anger. It's something else deeper than that. Whenever you're lying, it's not just lying. It's something deeper than that. And so we're going to unpack this in just a few minutes. But underneath your external sins, something deeper is really going on inside your heart. And in fact, you could even say that that whenever you sin, you're really running from Christ's salvation. And you're seeking after your own salvation. I know most of you don't see sin that way. You see, you know, good and evil is just a very black and white thing. But do you realize that whenever you sin, whatever that sin looks like, that it's really your way of chasing after your own salvation. And we're going to show you how that is uh, throughout this morning. Now, I've got a, uh, a Martin Luther paraphrase here, because Martin Luther is hard to quote. He's a really intelligent old guy. So uh, we're going to paraphrase him a couple of times here. Um, Martin Luther once said that if someone looks to good works as the basis for their relationship with God, then they are committing idolatry and in violation of the first commandment have no other gods before me. Here's what he's saying. If you look to good works as your basis for being accepted by God, the basis for your relationship with God, then you are committing idolatry and you're in violation of the first commandment have no other gods before me. Here's your first question at your tables. How is this idolatry and in what ways... Have you personally done this? Go ahead and discuss. I'm going to paraphrase something else that he says that uh, adds to this statement. And we're going to have a lot more discussion at the end as well, so I'm trying to get you uh, moving down the line here. But Luther also says... If we are relying on our works and not God's grace to make us complete, then our obedience is pure deception. In other words, what he's saying is that if you're someone who you're relying on your works to be accepted by God instead of Christ and Christ's work alone, then basically whenever you obey God, it's your way of manipulating God, trying to get God to bless you. Then our obedience is pure deception. Outwardly honoring God, but inwardly setting up yourself as your own Savior. Look at how far apart these two ideas are. On the one hand, you have someone who keeps the commandment with outward works only. Then you have someone over here who is keeping it with inward justifying faith. They have a real faith in Christ's work on the cross, not in their own works. The second one... The one over here makes true living children of God. The other one only makes worse idolatry and the most mischievous hypocrites on earth. So here's what he's saying. Two people can look very much the same on the outside, but be very different on the inside. There, there can be two people who look pretty much identical. They do the same exact spiritual activities. They do the exact same things when it comes to praying, reading their Bible, going to church, all the things that look religious, but they could have completely separate lives internally. And one could be very far from God. So if you're someone who is, if you're obeying God so that it will bless you, then it's a way of adding to the gospel. Now, this first commandment, the first of the Ten Commandments is what? You shall have no gods before me. Now, most of you probably have always seen the Ten Commandments as uh, just, it's, it's, a, it's a list of ten, right? But did you know that the, the very first commandment is intricately connected to all the others? So when God says, you shall have no other gods before me, then he goes on to say it at some point, uh, you shall not covet. Know this, that when someone covets, it's their way of replacing God with something else. So when, when someone murders, when someone takes the life of another human being, it's their way of putting themselves on the throne and, and putting themselves now as, as the ruler, the person who determines who lives and who dies, the place that only God should be. When someone dishonors their parents, which I know none of you guys ever do that. That's not, doesn't apply to you. Uh, but when someone dishonors their parents... And, and they, they do it in an effort to gain independence. Now they have placed their own independence as an idol in their life, and God has been replaced. Every commandment that we can talk about somehow points back to, "You shall have no other gods before me." So any sin is breaking that first commandment. so that when so when you and I sin when you and I sin, we are really looking for something that only Jesus can give us. I, I know most of you don't see your sin that way. You see sin as just kind of like doing bad things, but it's a lot more than that. It's a lot deeper than that. When, when you and I sin, we're really in search of our own salvation. We're really searching after something that only Jesus, only God, can give us. Let me talk about, briefly, uh, the issue of lying. Anybody in here A liar? Uh, see some hands go up, good. Honest liars over here, that's good. Uh, now, rest of you are probably liars because you can't admit you're lying all the time. Uh, but, but I'm glad that you can admit that. Um, but lying. What do you do about lying in your life? Here's how most people try to handle this sin of lying. There are some moralistic ways people try to stop lying. One of those is based on fear. And they might, you may have heard a statement like this before where someone says, I must stop doing this because God will punish me. He won't bless me if I keep lying. Right? A a fearful, moralistic way to stop lying. Something else might be rooted in pride. Someone who's prideful might say, I must stop lying because I'm a good Christian. I don't want to be like a person who's known as a liar. I don't be seen that way, so so it's this it's this they're trying by their own effort to to stop lying, whether it's through pride or through fear. Now, imagine I'm not trying to um, to bash any parents this morning, okay? But let me tell you that I think um, most parents probably use some of these tactics as they try to to shepherd you, maybe, and try to say to you, "Hey, you know, you don't want to be like those people, do you?" Or or maybe. Um, you don't want to do that because God's not going to bless you. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying that I think their parents taught them the same thing. It's a generational curse here, you know. And so, so most of us try to deal with our sin with, with one of those two ways of dealing with it. So here's the question. How do you stop lying by applying the gospel rather than just trying harder? All right? How do, you, how do you stop lying by applying the gospel to your life? How do you do that? Let me ask you this question. Why do most people lie? Because they don't want to get in trouble. That's one, that's obvious, an obvious, really good, good reason. What's that? Get out of things they don't want to do. Not thank you, Bobby. So not to tell the truth, but could it? Is it possible? Let me ask you this question: What? Let's not. Let's talk. about the whole punishment thing. Why do people lie to their friends about how good they are at certain things? Okay, make them look cool. Uh, make them be approved. Maybe you know, Meredith. I couldn't hear that too. Well. Okay, They're trying to hide who they really are. And, and so what motivates many people who lie could be this. It, it, it could be someone's trying to save face or trying to protect themselves. Uh, now, why does someone want to protect themselves? Because they want approval. They want someone's approval. And they'll do anything to get it. So, so when we lie, what's the sin behind the sin? When you peel away this, this layer of the onion... And on the outside, you've got lying, right? You peel with that layer. What's the sin underneath the sin? It's, it's the idol of human approval. It's the, I will do anything I can to be approved by other people, therefore, I will lie to do it. And, and so instead of looking to Jesus. You're looking at other people's approval. Instead of knowing that you're already approved of, even in your sin, Jesus fully accepts you, fully approves of you in the midst of your sin. In spite of that fact, you still think you've got to do things to gain other people's approval. And so even though you and I, in our our hearts or in our minds, might intellectually believe the gospel, in your heart you're still chasing after idols. Now uh on your your table you have some discussion sheets and uh, each person should have a copy there's there's plenty to go around just pass them around your tables there and we're going to do some discussion here now um I really ask you guys I know that some of this stuff can be heavy for some of you but that's okay uh, but I want you to I want to ask you a question I want you to focus for the next 20 minutes or so, just focus. If you're a person who can't concentrate and these big theological type things are really hard for you to concentrate on, I want you to focus. Focus on this, what we're discussing. And uh, the first question you're going to discuss at your tables is which of these sins is the biggest problem for you? Talking about yourself, uh, being defensive, bragging, uh, talking about other people, talking unkindly, harshness, sarcasm, talking about life, complaining about life. I want you to share with your tables, which one of those do you struggle with the most? Some of you guys may have already done this, but I want you to move on to the next part here uh, where it says, There are four ways people seek meaning and acceptance. These are things we depend on instead of price. You'll see four main things he talks about. Comfort, approval, control, and power. And there's a little chart there. And I want you to talk with your tables about which one you feel like you struggle with the most. Now, for some of you guys you may have a hard time identifying it, if you need to, look to the, to the right column where it says problem and motion. You might recognize more quickly what your problem in motion might be, which one your personality is more geared towards. And you can identify that and kind of work backwards if you need to. But go ahead and discuss uh, which one you feel like you struggle with the most and examples of how you might struggle with that. There's some more questions on the back. If you want to move on to those, you can if you need to. Uh, I'm going to kind of let you guys finish out this discussion, and we'll wrap up in a few minutes, but just take a few more minutes to finish that out. If you want to look at the questions on the back that relate to this little chart. Okay, how many of you would say that, uh, I'm going to get a survey here, and every hand should go up at some point, or else we'll call you a liar, like we did earlier. Uh, but how many of you would say comfort would be your biggest issue, comfort, seeking comfort? Okay. So you're the kind of people that, like, sucked your thumb when you were a kid and all that kind of stuff, and trying to make yourself just feel comforted, right? Uh... Okay, approval. Who's always seeking approval? Okay. Who's always seeking control? Like you give me a microphone and I'll take control of everybody. All right. Who's always seeking power? More power. Okay. I'm glad you guys are honest. I'm glad. But what I want you to see from this is that in each one of these situations, each one of these sins that we struggle with, and everyone struggles with all of them on some level, but with each one of these struggles, the gospel has to be the answer to growing from those things. In other words, you never will conquer these things by just trying harder in your own power. The gospel applies to each one of them. So for me, for me, uh, as I looked at the one on control, I was reading this thing across this week, and I was like, okay, that's, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And uh, and I really felt convicted, especially because where it says, um, other people often feel condemned by you. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. that That's hard for me to hear, you know. And uh, as I think about um, last year, I think of a situation... I won't mention any names, but uh, there was a prank that was played on me at my house that involved pink hubcaps. <clears throat> and I won't, I won't go into it as to who did that. Uh, but but I guarantee, I guarantee you, and I know from talking to the, the two guys that did it, that both of them felt pretty condemned by me, you know? And uh, I don't know, I don't know. But both of the guys that, uh, that did it, I know felt like I came down pretty hard you know and I did and and I felt pretty convicted but I felt like okay that's, that's a that's a sin struggle I have is, is, is I, I can be con, I can be a condemning person and so how do I get through that the way I get through it isn't by just trying harder and trying to say okay I'm gonna, not not going to be condemning anymore not going to be condemning today but it's about me going back to the gospel and saying God you have forgiven me of so much how can I not forgive someone or how can I not, how can I condemn somebody else? And so you go back to the gospel. It's always about going back to the gospel. I said last week that the gospel is like a deep well that you never stop drinking from. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for, uh, for giving us this gospel story that, that we all hear about and know about and talk about so much, but yet so many of us Don't live from it. So many of us don't really know how it applies to our everyday life. God, so many of us come to Christ, and we we understand the the idea of grace, but we don't live out grace. And I pray that you would just help us understand what that means, what that looks like in our lives. And I also pray that you would just just help each one of us um, just continually be uh, convicted and reconvicted about uh, sins we struggle with. And uh, we thank you for being a God that loves us and cares for us enough uh, to want to see us grow and be transformed. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. We'll see you this week later on.